All right, everybody. It's the Back Judge Podcast. We are exactly a month away from the NFL Draft, boys. It is March 29th. Draft is on my mom's birthday. Round one of the draft on my mom's birthday, April 29th. Uh, Wonderful. How, how are we feeling, boys? I we we were just texting earlier in our little in our little chat, and things were things were popping off a little bit. We had a we had a lot of ideas going on. I said, "Hey, hold up, let's record. Let's get this let's get this in uh, in writing. Put it in stone." Um. Yeah, no, I, uh, I'm i feeling great. There's obviously, I think that the reason that the conversation was popping off to the level that it was was because of kind of the aftermath of the trade we went over uh, last podcast with the 49ers moving up. And now basically, I mean, you can never put too much stock into these pre-draft headlines, but it seems to be um, almost a foregone conclusion now that Zach Wilson will ultimately be the number two pick to the New York Jets, and I wouldn't say it's a foregone conclusion, but a lot of signs as as of right now, one month before the draft, keeping that in mind, there are a lot of signs pointing to the San Francisco 49ers having made that very move to go up to the third spot in the draft to secure uh, the position of taking Mac Jones, a quarterback out of Alabama, who all of us, none of us don't dislike Mac Jones as a prospect. All of us, I think, would take him in the first round, but I think unanimously not only with us but with a lot of the draft pundits or football analysts out there Mac Jones was was their fourth or fifth quarterback mostly their fifth quarterback if you would were to take the consensus rankings he'd be the fifth quarterback um and, and, and the 49ers making this move to go up and get Mac Jones first of all that as a topic of conversation drafting Mac Jones with a number three pick in the draft and then the uh you know the obvious snowball effect of what would happen um, in the in the picks coming directly after three, leading up to our coveted you know number seven spot with the Detroit Lions and how it affects that pick. And I guess I'll maybe not kick off the conversation, but one of the first things I'll repeat from what I said in the group was, um, from the beginning of 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 draft season as we knew it until now, or last week, let's say, I was saying there was probably a 70 to 80% chance that the top four quarterbacks, Lawrence, Wilson, Fields, and Lance, would all be gone by the Lions selection at seven. And I believe now with the 49ers kind of infiltrating that top seven and now the, the word on the street with them taking an outsider in Mac Jones, an outsider of what the consensus top seven was, that kind of shifts everything a spot down to where now it's looking to me like Either Trey Lance or Justin Fields will be available for the Detroit Lions at the seventh pick. I would say that there's over a 50% chance that's going to happen, considering the fact that I believe the Bengals will stick at five and take a tackle. And I think the Miami Dolphins traded right back up to six for a reason. I don't think they traded back up to six from 12 to move back down closer to 12. I think they're going to take, whether it be Pitts or one of the receivers or or a different tackle, they're taking a non-quarterback at six. So... I guess that kicks off kind of where I'm at, and, and it's just going to make Brad Holmes' decision, I think, that much more difficult, having to juggle um, the best player available approach or maybe possibly getting your quarterback in the future with the seventh pick. Yeah, I, I agree, Lee, and I think we'll, we'll jump back to the, to the Lions in a second. Um, I kind of want to just go even back a little bit further to when we were talking on the podcast on Friday – our general consensus, and I think a lot of the general consensus of people just talking, we said, 
oh, you know, the, the, it was the, you know, the kind of that Schefter source was like, yo, Jimmy's still like in our plans for this year. And everyone just went to immediately, okay, they're going to draft Trey Lance, keep Jimmy in there for a year, you know, start him for a couple games this year and move Lance into the fold. And, and that's going to be their plan. But then there were these kind of Mac Jones whispers. And now it's kind of just become a full on belief that the Niners are going to take Mac Jones, uh, uh, Daniel Jeremiah went on the athletic football show with Robert Mays, said that I believe a majority of the people around the league believe this is for Mac Jones. He said that on the Move the Sticks podcast that I listened to today. And then Albert Breer tweeted, 49ers coach Kyle Shanahan asked on going to Alabama Pro Day tomorrow and not North Dakota State or BYU, which is Trey Lance and Zach Wilson. Says it was important for the team not to tip its hand before the trade was done. Quote, now that you're up at three, you don't have to hide as much. To which we were literally in the you know group chat saying, this is either a gigantic cruel joke on Mac Jones, because, or or else, or they're kind of taking him. Like you know, there doesn't really seem like there's any other reason to do this uh, because after trading two first round picks, who are you really smoke screening? You know, at, at that point. So, I guess maybe you know before we maybe jump into kind of the reverbial effects, what the Lions do at seven. You know, maybe Tommy, you can you can represent you know me and Lee as well. I think we kind of all have the same opinion that yes we like mac jones if there was any landing spot for mac jones to go to you know i think san francisco is an awesome spot but maybe you know trading up to three and drafting a player like jones who while it is kind of all there there are not those necessarily elite traits that you look for in a player regardless of position when you're drafting in the top five yeah um I don't know what to think about this because I think I have to, there's some statements that need to be made. Um, I've obviously been a, a huge fan of the 49ers and Kyle Shanahan. I, pr- I probably say it every single podcast, so I should, you know, just take that as, as objective. Hey, I talk about the Lions every podcast. You can just shout out Kyle. You, you, do. you know, we gotta, we gotta I, I get, keep, you know, keep the people remembering what's going on here. I, exactly. I want to give my, uh, so let, let that be a precursor for what I'm about to say because I regret not bringing up on Friday the possibility of Mac Jones going to the Niners because it was something that I was thinking about when we were talking. A lot of it had to do with the fact that Chris Sims really liked Mac Jones, and Chris Sims and Kyle Shanahan are, are butt buddies, for lack of a better word. They have each other's initials tattooed on their body. Is that true? Okay? These guys are like best friends. Yes, that is true. They have each other's initials tattooed on their body. They went to Texas together. like They were roommates, I'm pretty sure. They're incredibly good friends, and... Chris, Chris Sims. I just I just watched Lee's similar. opinion of Kyle Shanahan fall a notch in, in, in real time. <laughs> I'll just and say potentially Chris Sims too. <laughs> I, I'll just say one thing. I know for damn sure Pete Carroll doesn't have another man's initials tattooed on his body. I'll say that much. I think I think most men do not have another man's initials That's tattooed bizarre. on the body. Unless unless someone like saved your life. Unless you're like even still like what you must have been just hammered one night in Austin. And I think, having just I think a it's a hammered night. Austin thing. Like, you know, uh, that's about as bro as and, it gets, though, man. Yeah, sorry, Tommy. Keep, keep well, it rolling, buddy. Well, anywho, because I'm, I'm, I'm about to pile on because here's the thing. A, the reason why I was so gung-ho about the Niners making this move in my thought process throughout the offseason to now my reaction on Friday saying this was the best move of the offseason was because no matter who the Niners draft, whether it be – Trey Lance, Justin Fields, you know, Mac Jones, Kyle Trask, go through it. No matter who they drafted, they are already going to be in the best, one of the best situations possible. Just by, by the fact that they're going into the San Francisco system, by the fact that they're going to have Kyle Shanahan 
as their quarterback guru. I think he has that type of effect. And the weapons there. On, and the weapons, of course. But I'm just saying from more, if you put, just viewing it in a vacuum with Kyle Shanahan being the mind that he is, it was just going to be a great move for whoever they got. And all, like you said, Clep, all of our minds went to with went to Fields or Lance pretty much. It was a, it was a question of, of either of those two. Do you th- take a guy? And, I mean, it's not like Lance's ceiling is that much higher than Justin Fields. They both have pretty insane traits. I guess like Trey Lance is maybe a little bit more physically gifted, and that's why his ceiling is perceived as being higher. And whether that's true or not you know, remains to be seen. I mean, I think Fields' floor is a lot higher than Lance's right now, especially with just, like, how small of a sample size we have of Trey Lance and the fact that he, you know, only three. I mean, what's the mo- most passes he's thrown in the game? Eighteen passes or something like that. It was it was a completely, you know, different offense. But it was an offense that has a lot of the San Francisco elements, which is something Clep you pointed out um, on that Friday pod. But I do have to say, I'm going to be, and this is something Lee and I talked about this morning. I'm I'm one. I'm going to be very disappointed if they take Mac Jones. Not the fact that it, pro- it won't turn out to be a good move, because as I just said, I think. He's going to be put in a position to succeed, and I think Mac Jones probably is an upgrade over Jimmy G, especially when you contextualize the the contract and the money and the fact that you're getting Mac Jones on on a, on the rookie contract scale, and you have him for five years at this cost controlled thing. You can extend Bosa, you can extend Debo Samuel, you've already extended Kittle, you've already just paid Trent Williams. Like from that, from a roster construction standpoint, it makes a bunch of sense and it gives them a lot more flexibility. But that would be the case with any quarterback that they would take at three. But I will say. You know, I, Shanahan just has to view him as like a Burrow S. That's the only hypothetical for me where it makes sense. Um, giving up three first-round picks for Mac Jones, like that, just doesn't add up in my in my mind. You know, like would you give up three first-round picks for Kirk Cousins on a rookie contract? You know, I don't know. Or would you give up first for three first-round picks? Yeah, for Kirk Cousins in that system or an average quarterback who can be elevated in a Shanahan system on a rookie contract? It's just something that I think I will be disappointed because, um, you know, he, he doesn't offer the same upside like you just said, Clep. But ultimately, I have to I have to trust my boy Kyle. And, you know, until he proves me wrong, until this blows up in his face, I have to think that he has, you know, the um, he has the right move in mind. And, and look at the way we're talking about this. I mean, Lee, like you said, we're kind of talking about this like it's like, you know, what what would we put the odds at at Mac Jones at three right now? It would have to be, you know, at least minus 500. Like, it's just, it's such a foregone conclusion in our minds. And, you know, maybe, you know, maybe we could be wrong. But like you said, Klepp, like, who are you smokescreening at this point? Like, what, you know, who are you trying to throw off? I don't think they're going to trade back again. You know, I don't think so. Yeah, I, I, I just want all, to, I mean, when I, when I was talking about Trey Lance and the North Dakota State system, I didn't mean to really say that, like, oh, the offenses are the same because, I, I just meant to say, like, Trey Lance, of those quarterbacks that aren't um, Trevor Lawrence, has the most experience just, like, playing within a system and not, like, taking a ton of risks. And for how athletic he is, he doesn't necessarily make a ton of plays other than, like, you know, running, but, like, throwing off platform and stuff isn't totally what he does. Where That's what I don't get, like, why you wouldn't want to take Trey Lance over Mac Jones if you're Kyle Shanahan and such a guru coach. Like, why don't you want to take that dude who has all of those physical traits and just mold him into a quarterback that fits your system. I don't, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's kind of the thing that's crazy. Like if, if, if Mac Jones, here's what I think about too, for even just throw out the fact that you are essentially spending three first round picks on Mac Jones. 
Like, if Mac Jones hits his ceiling, is he better than Stafford, Wilson, or Kyler? No. He definitely is not as physically talented as either of them. So, but, but, but you know. So that's, so that's kind of that's Joe, like is, my sticking point, where it's just like, sure, I guess, you know, you're drafting a guy who, you know, has football smarts. And you could even say, like, hey, look, Alabama had all these great weapons. We just plop him into our system and, and turn him into the same thing. I just think it's it's crazy. I mean, it, we'll see how it how it works out, obviously. But it's just like, obviously, Jimmy G has helped you us ha- use. I just, like, I don't know how much of an upgrade it, it really is. Well, you ha- I think you kind of have to, in terms of physical upside, no. But does Joe Burrow have more upside than those three quarterbacks? Because he, by far, is the, is the least physically talented out of those those three and that's where i like again we brought up burrow on friday because that's where you have to like that's the only way that this kind of makes sense to me because mac jones has you know a, an nfl arm maybe at best like he doesn't have he has none of the physical traits that any of these other guys have and especially in, in the division um and then you know obviously lee and i and i and i guess clep you to a certain extent um you know we love kyler murray lee, i mean lee and i thought kyler murray was like a better version of Mahomes almost coming out. It was like we saw what Mahomes did in 2018. Don't, it's don't like Kyler Murray Mahomes comparisons. Well, I'm just I'm going back to 2019. We saw what Mahomes did in the 2018 season throwing 50 touchdowns and winning MVP and the type of throws that he was making outside of the pocket and what he was able to do, what Patrick Mahomes was able to do. And when you looked at Kyler Murray coming out of Oklahoma with his physical tools and his talent and it was like he could have that same impact coming out as a rookie and and Kyler you know, has shown glimpses of being fantastic, but also, you know, whether he's bogged down by Cliff's system or whether he has his own issues processing, um, you know, that remains to be seen. But Mac Jones, I mean, Mac Jones very well could be the most pro-ready prospect in the draft. Maybe Trevor Lawrence is a little ahead of him, but, like, Mac Jones seems to be a guy that you can come in and, and start from day one and, you know, is really good at processing and, and you know, how much of that was an effect of, you know how easy things are made at Alabama I guess remains to be seen but I guess we I'm just trying to put myself in Shanahan's shoes or you know anyone who thinks that Mac Jones is the third best quarterback in this class you have to be sacrificing you have to be taking in the the opportunity cost of passing on a quarterback who has more physical talent because Mac Jones is you know Tom Brady basically where despite his lack of physical tools his will and his you know, his intangibles are going to put you over the top and put you in a better position than someone who is more, much more physically talented than him would. Yeah, I don't think it's as crazy as you're making it out to be, just considering the fact that, I don't know, like, I guess this might be kind of a bad example, but some people two weeks ago or a week ago had Zach Wilson as their number one quarterback on their, on their uh, QB draft boards. Like, that to me is crazier than having Mac Jones as your number three quarterback. And I think maybe this is just a product of a lot of people getting lost in the sauce of having a dual-threat quarterback. And maybe Shanahan just wants a guy who can process and has the intangibles. And, I don't know, Mac Jones, you you brought up Joe Burrow. There's There's a connection there with being on an extremely talented team that seemingly everyone likes to think was the team of destiny and is arguably one of the best college football teams of all time and kind of being the, the operator and, and, and 
and manager and captain of that. Um, and that was really impressive. And, you know, I don't know. We can sit here and split hairs all day about whether or not it was a good move. I think time will, will tell. I think Adam brought up a good point that I agree with, which is um, my personal opinion is that he'll never be the best quarterback in that division. Uh, from day one, he's going to be the worst quarterback in that division. It's still an extremely competitive division. And I think even if Mac Jones is Joe Burrow, that you just risked a lot giving away those first-round picks in the division that you're in uh, for a, to move up to three for a player like that. Yeah, I think um, that's also, I mean, I think that's part of what I come back to also where, hey, clearly the Eagles were happy to move back to the spot that you were originally at. Like, why are you jumping all the way up to three? And I, I respect, I guess, you know, the, the mindset of, hey, we're just going to guarantee that we get our guy, but... And maybe I'm just reading too many, you know, mock drafts that always, you know, don't even resemble what the real order looks like when, when draft day comes. But I just have a hard time imagining that Mac Jones wouldn't be there at at six. I, I think, you know, I can understand wanting to get ahead of Carolina or Denver. Like, 100%, I can understand trying to jump up and not just sitting at 12. But did you have to give up what you gave up to get all the way to three? Yeah, and for me too, I think a big, I don't know, like the silver lining or the only thing that matters from a Lions fan standpoint, like I'm really happy hearing this Mac Jones news. I'm thrilled. This is awesome. I'm thrilled. This is basically like not only is Holmes going to be able to pull the trigger on a quarterback perhaps with the seventh pick, not only is that an opportunity, but trading back one or two slots with Carolina or Denver, if they're ext- if they're hungrier for that quarterback than you are and you're willing to move back, you can get some assets that way. You don't have very many picks in the draft. You can get assets that way. Or you can stick and get an, uh, an extremely talented player who isn't a quarterback at seven and get the rebuild off to a great start. You know, you're even more likely to do that now with Mac Jones being taken with the third pick. So... I think there should just be a lot more excitement um, coming out of Detroit with each piece of news that that furthers the uh, the fact that Jones will be taken third. I guess. Yeah, let's let's jump into the let's I, jump into the Lions. Tommy, sorry, did you want to say something quickly? Well, I just wanted to say something quickly, um, and I think Lee, you have a. I don't. I mean, this might just be a philosophical difference between us, but if Mac Jones is Joe Burrow, then he is worth the picks that you gave up. Like, I. If you, if you get an elite quarterback prospect, a franchise quarterback, then they're worth that capital being given up. And, you know, you have to, like, the potential of first-round picks, the next, your first-round pick this year and two more first-round picks, whatever the package is, it looks great on paper, but if you go through past, you know, the the hit rate on, on those picks, like, look at the Raiders with Khalil Mack. They traded Khalil Mack for, what, Jonathan Abram and... Uh, Cleveland Farrell. I don't even know who they're – and Damon Arnett. Yeah, or, oh, no, no you're right. Cleveland yeah, Farrell yeah, yeah. was their pick. It was like Damon Arnett and, and Jonathan Abram maybe or, or Josh Jacobs, whatever it was. So I think if, if, if Mac Jones hits a ceiling and is an elite quarterback or is a top 12 to 10 quarterback in the, in the NFL and you have him on that contract, then I think that the trade is worth it because this team is so good all around. And I think I, – I thought they were the best team in the division before they got, uh, upgraded at quarterback potentially. So I think – that's just a, uh, something that I wanted to get down on paper, the fact that the trade is going to be worth it if Mac Jones is something that we, or at least I don't think he is, or he presents a ceiling that I currently don't see him having. 
So I guess that's the only thing I wanted to add. And I guess what I would say is the I think the only reason you don't see him having that ceiling is because you're just naturally opposed to thinking that a quarterback who's not a dual threat quarterback can have the ceiling that a quarterback that is a dual threat quarterback has. Or a quarterback that is yeah, that the, is objectively a average to below average athlete and improvisational talent can't have the same ceiling as someone that can make quote unquote off platform throws or that can has better escapability. Well, if I if I remember correctly, you said you said even if he's Joe Burrow, giving up three first round picks is risky. Which I, I think I, I think, think if it he's is. Joe, because I think when you say elite prospect. That's a really broad definition. Like, I don't necessarily know if just because you're an elite prospect means that you're going to be worth, even if you're a quarterback, are you going to be worth two or three possible elite pos- prospects in the in the draft that you could have had had you not made the move to get him? It, it, I mean, I, I don't think that we like have a very differing opinion here, but I am saying that the jury's still out on Joe Burrow. Like, I'm not saying it was a bad pick, but... He could not be – he could not cut it out in Cincinnati. Like that's possible. Do you saw think, it happen with Sam Darnold now. Sam Darnold was an elite yeah, prospect, totally. right? So I don't know. I'm, but Burrow, Burrow, showed, Burrow has shown more in his rookie year than Darnold has shown throughout his career. As much as I love Sam Darnold, I mean Burrow w- was lights out for the most part for up until his, he, his knee you know, exploded into oblivion. And I think we all would make that trade up for the Niners for Joe Burrow right now. Or at least I would. I think if you replace the trade that they just gave up for number three and it was for Joe Burrow to Cincinnati, I think that's a great move for the Niners. Yeah, okay, sure. I mean, I don't know if I would think it was as great of a move as, as you do right now, but I probably would do it. But still, I mean, we're now talking about Joe Burrow, who's the number one pick last year and is more of a known commodity than than Mac Jones, at least as an NFL player, of course. And... You know, I, I personally don't – I mean, my personal opinion isn't that surprising about – like, I don't think that they should draft Mac Jones, but I respect that Shanahan is – like we like we preach on the podcast, he's doing it his way. And, uh, you know, I – Yeah, I, I, think, I think, Lee, like all you're trying to say, which like I appreciate, is that like a lot of times we get wrapped up into these, you know, dual threat players, right, where it's just like just because Mac Jones can't necessarily run – or like, you know, roll out to his left and throw a bomb to the opposite hash mark on the right side doesn't mean that he can't have a, a high ceiling. Yeah, totally. And he so. had a phenomenal year this past year. Yeah, I agree year. with that. Um, let's, let's, let's do jump into the, the Lions conversation a little bit because I, I was talking to – Tommy was just saying earlier kind of in our group chat about how, you know, you, you think that the Lions would, would pass on a quarterback if a Justin Fields or a Trey Lance uh, is there, as Lee was, was alluding to earlier, um, which, is, which is possible. I'm not downplaying that situation. But what's funny is also you just, in mock drafts online, you see Justin Fields or Trey Lance go to the Panthers or go to the Broncos. Sometimes, you know, even before the Mac Jones 3, even before the trade, you would see them get down to 12 uh, at, at the 49ers. And you would just—I rarely see in mock drafts Detroit getting uh, a quarterback. Um, and overall, I just kind of believe that the national conversation around the Lions—I um, just don't think a lot of these people um, have a really good grasp of what is going on in, in Detroit. And I'm not even trying to say that as like a thing where I'm upset about it. Like the Lions have been crap for years. Like they're entering a rebuild. I'm not exactly surprised that these people aren't keeping, you know 
tabs on every single move they make. But just a good example of this to me is like, you'll see them get, you know, Patrick Sertain or before the back stuff, Caleb Farley or even JC Horn. Like you see them getting mocked corners in the top 10 and it's like, it's just, and it's purely because they don't know who Amani Owarie is, right? And and if I did, like sitting here today, like Amani Owarie has shown me more, you know, potential as a corner than Jeff Okuda has. Jeff Okuda was just drafted third overall, and Amani was drafted in the fifth round, right? But the average, you know, even even someone who covers the league wouldn't exactly, you know, know Amani Owarie, right? And I just think that they will go into the season with those two guys as their starting corners. So that's just like, I think where the disconnect starts and then you just never see them get mocked a quarterback, um, which I think is odd because I think people just like maybe have a higher opinion of, of Jared Goff. And then they see the Brad Holmes, St. Louis or not St. Louis, but LA connection. And they just automatically think the Lions will pass over a, a quarterback. And I was talking to Lee about this before, you know, way before the San Francisco trade. If Justin Fields or Trey Lance is there at seven and the Lions pass on them, um, I'll be extremely disappointed. And I know, Lee, you were even saying earlier, hey, if one of those teams wants to come up and, and take them and, and offer you a lot, um, you know, you should consider that. I would be disappointed if they traded out of the pick with one of those guys on the board because you already collected the extra draft capital from Matthew Stafford. You're going to get an extra third round pick from Galladay next year. No amount of draft picks would equate the loss of passing on one of those quarterbacks and one of them becoming a franchise player. So I think, and then the other thing is too, I think getting a quarterback in the first year of this rebuild would be so valuable because then you can sit them this year behind Goff necessarily if, if they're not ready, which Fields and Lance very well might not be ready. Um, and then you can start them next year when you have a better you know, wide receiver nucleus around them, a better defense. And then if they don't pan out that year and they look like a Josh Rosen, or in my opinion, a Tua, and it's like, all right, we just drafted this kid, you know, Fields can't process the field, or, you know, Trey Lance just like the jump is too big for him. Things are not looking good. You have two first round picks in 2023 to potentially make another move up uh, again and take another swing at a quarterback. And just for an example, like last year, I didn't really like Justin Herbert. I thought he was way too up and down. Obviously, all the traits were there, but I just didn't really like him that much and thought he would just kind of be like a athletic Trubisky. But in his first season, obviously, there's a lot more, you know, a lot more career for him to go. But he was the best rookie quarterback last year. He was better than Burrow was, even without, you know, the ACL injury. He was having a, a better season. So it's just like, I think when you get these quarterbacks, like a Lance, like a Fields, and if it's sitting there, I just think unless you're there is something that is like so glaring that you're so opposed to with one of the players, I think you're doing a disservice by passing on them. Yeah, I want to just chip in real quick because Clep, I completely agree with you. Like I, I would be upset as a Lions fan. I'm going to take it a step further and say like I don't. I think that they would take one if they are there. I'm just I'm, I'm putting that. Yeah. I'm just I believe. And if Trey Lance or Justin Fields is there at seven, I think Brad Holmes pulls the trigger and picks him. I I would like to think they should do that. They should do that. Everything you just said is uh, completely aligns with my logic. It's the reason why I think Atlanta should take a quarterback. It's the reason why I think Detroit should take a quarterback if one falls to him there. It's just my intuition for whatever reason. It's not really based on anything other than the fact that they <laughs> went out and there seems to be a connection. Like I could be reading a lot more into it than it actually is, but... 
I just would I would be kind of surprised if if they took a quarterback for. I mean, it would be the smart thing to do, but that's sometimes a hard decision to make with you know a, a Detroit Lions fan base that is that is starved. And I mean, I do think I do think that Brad Holmes has a higher opinion of Jared Goff than we do. I do think that for sure. I and I if if Brad Holmes if his and he still could be an incredibly smart, savvy GM, which I think all everything the Lions have done this offseason is pointing upwards to me. I think their trajectory is is good, um, but. For, for, you know, Brad Holmes obviously was a part of the team that drafted Jared Goff number one overall, and he could think we're getting, you know, a top 15 quarterback for two first-round picks, and we had to give up Matthew Stafford, who might be more talented than Jared Goff, but really, you know, hasn't done a, a lot, really, to, like, justify, justify you know, his allure to a lot of other teams, other than having putting some really good tape on, on you know, putting a lot of good tape on tape, but... It's just more of a feeling I have. I would be upset, too, if they pass on a quarterback because I think Jared Goff is not a franchise quarterback and is merely a stopgap right now. So that's the only reason. I just wanted to, you know, let the record show that I think they should be taking a quarterback if, you know, one is offered to them. And even trading down, like you said, Klepp, they are going to be ripe with draft capital for the next two years. And you painted out a perfect scenario where they can move on from one of these quarterbacks if they're a dud. Um, and if not, then they're in a Jets-Darnold situation, an even better situation where you have only one year of the contract done and you can trade out from the number three pick next year and just get even more draft capital because you already have uh, a sophomore Justin Field to Trey Lance coming into 2022 as your starter. Yeah, I think that, I mean, you guys pretty much covered all that. I will say, Clep, that, um, I mean, I don't think Tommy's wrong in a way, and I think that... I guess what I would say is like like I think you probably should maybe prepare yourself to be disappointed. Not that that would be a new thing in any way, but I don't think that it's as obvious of a decision for the people making it as it seems to be right now for us and you know if if Holmes thinks Goth is decent or good then I don't know. I mean, I don't know what the real impetus would be to draft a quarterback at seven unless you're in love with one of them because there's a whole heck of a lot of talent at other positions and your roster is depleted of talent anywhere, basically. So, like, it's not like they have all the pieces and need a quarterback. Like, they just got a quarterback. Um, And we just don't like him, kind of. And yeah, but but the, I mean the thing is though, like as we sit here, like I would just be, I, I'm not saying that they don't like Goff, but like I would be concerned if the people in charge of the Lions, like think Goff is a reason to pass on Justin Fields or Trey Lance, and obviously that's me just like watching a couple games with these guys and like not being able to sit in a room and like really talk X's and O's of football with them and, and all that kind of stuff. But it's just like, why would Jared Goff be, uh, you know, a reason to not take a chance on one of these guys with elite talent? And the, the other thing is too is like, I don't know if everyone thinks like the way that I do, but just to me with the traits and and even so more with Fields, like the throws that he makes like in the playoff games are unbelievable. Like Trey Lance doesn't even have the type of throws that Justin Fields is making, you know, in those two games. Yes, I have concerns with Fields' game, uh, of course. Like, I mean, you can point to Cardell. And you can point to Dwayne Haskins as to, like, oh, these Ohio State quarterbacks. But 
Fields is much more mobile than, th than they are, and there's a bunch of things I can, I can kind of go into. But just the way that I think is, like, even if you take Trey Lance and Justin Fields and they're, they're a complete bust, I don't think that's a wasted pick. Like, I just think the risk of passing on them and them becoming a franchise player is so much bigger than just, like, sticking at seven and taking Jalen Waddle, and, and then you're just like, oh, sick, now we have this receiver Waddle. But, like, and the, like with golf, like, it's like you don't have Sean McVay, okay? You don't have a defense with Aaron Donald on it. Like, I, I just, like, I, I would really hope that, you know, Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell aren't, like, that dense in their thinking that, Oh, we're just gonna build like a great team like the Rams did around Jared Goff and his freaking albatross contract, and like go, you know, and, and that's the other thing too. When 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 they had that team, Jared Goff was on his rookie deal, right? They extended him after the Super Bowl, right? So I just think I, I would I think it would just be such a tell that this is gonna be like an immediate implosion if they believe in Goff, like, and I don't and I don't think that that's like a absurdist opinion. Like I know that we are lower on Goff than the general consensus, but, like, you shouldn't... Just, like, you know, like, the move that the, the Niners are making, obviously we don't agree with, you know, them taking Mac Jones, but it's, like... Or even just with the Rams, it's, like, they're done with, like, just acceptable being the norm at quarterback. They wanted to go get something better, right? And there, there's just no chance to me that, you know, that they should be thinking that, oh, we shouldn't take one of these quarterbacks because golf is there, so... Clep, I mean, you're preaching to the choir, man. Like, I... I... I think you're right. I think you're objectively right. I like that's something we talked about with Lee. I don't know what podcast it was, but it's just like if you can upgrade a quarterback, you do it because it's the most valuable position. And like you said, like it's it's it the 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 worst case scenario really isn't that bad. It's not as bad as take as taking Eric Ebron at ten or forget about you know whatever any other position. It's not as bad as it could be for any other position. What I will add and something that I just thought of and I I haven't really researched this at all. I just thought of it and I. Were the the Lions? Why did the Lions take the Rams' offer then? Because right, they could have got Drew Locke in the ninth pick. Because I think, or they be honestly, got, Tommy, I think that they took an extra pick to take on Jared Goff's contract. I don't think I, I I don't believe that Jared Goff was like a sticking point in the deal. I literally think they could get more valuable for more value for Matthew Stafford just because they were willing to eat Jared Goff's contract from the Rams. Like I. I do not think there is too much, like, obviously, like, I think Brad Holmes thinks that, like, Goff can have success in the league. I think we think that. Like, he's he's had, you know, good moments. He, go back to 2018, great game against the Vikings, great game against the Chiefs. Had a, a really nice second half against the Saints after he kind of stunk it up in the first quarter. Like, he led two field goal drives in the NFC Championship game in the, in the Superdome in New Orleans. Like, he's had solid NFL moments, but... Um, you know, there's a reason why the Rams were trading him. I don't think that Brad Holmes was like laughing, you know, laughing to the bank, like, ah, we just got Jared Goff and two first round picks. Like we just robbed them. And I think that extra first is, is to take on his deal. Yeah. Well, it's just interesting to think about like Goff and a 2022 and 2023 first versus Drew Locke and the ninth pick and or or Teddy Bridgewater and the eighth pick and I don't know if they were going to get other first round picks along with that. I don't remember what the the specifics of the deal were other than it was going to be, you know, like Carolina and Denver starting quarterback and their top 10 picks this year. I don't really agree um, with your guys's logic on the topic of like just taking a quarterback because it's the most valuable position and even if you're wrong it's okay. Like I I don't think that's like a good way to go about it. 
Because then, like, why were you not? Why did you not want them to draft Mac Jones a week ago? Then, because he's a quarterback and he's got a consensus, a consensus first round grade, and he would be an upgrade. Why? Well, because his ceiling isn't as high, quote unquote. Like, I don't think that if Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell don't particularly like Lance or Fields any more than the teams, other teams passing up on them, they shouldn't draft him. You don't just draft a player because they're highly rated and because they're a quarterback. And you need to be prepared to be wrong if you're wrong and you don't draft them. There's a ton of other talent on the board, like I said. Obviously, Adam, you know me, Tommy. Like, If Lance is there, I want them to take Lance. But I'm not going to be like pissed off if they don't take Lance. Like I think they're going to really? get another I think they're going to get another really good player and they're going to continue to build their roster and I think they're going to win 6 games at maximum next year and be in a great position to draft a quarterback if, if they need to having a better knowledge of their team. Don't you think you should be pissed off because you don't like Jared Goff and Trey Lance is your number 2 quarterback and like the difference between like the the distribution of outcomes like between those two players is just yeah, like Yeah, I'll be disappointed. You, you're, but I don't think that like I'm going to like lose faith in Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell if they like don't draft a quarterback if it's available. Like I don't think that's like a tell for for me to believe that, you know, the well I don't think we're I don't think either of us are saying I don't think Klepper and I are saying like, "Oh, this is the this is a bad like it I could mean, be I'm, I'm a bad kind of sign of the game. I don't, know, I don't, I don't know if I'll come off that ledge. I mean, I might I might walk off that ledge. This is kind of like a, an open a recently opened kind of discussion. I, me, I mean, Lee, Lee, I think I think you're right to an extent to kind of like say like, hey, why, you know, Adam, why weren't you like Oliver drafting Mac Jones? Um, and, you know, and, and maybe that is something I just need to look into where I don't think his ceiling is, is high. I think it's also just a thing where like I don't think, you know, I, I don't really think Mac Jones could be like the most successful in Detroit. Um, like I just I just like the, the chances of a of a Justin Fields or, or a Trey Lance coming into like a rebuild where, Hey, like they can make plays, you know, on their own um, when, when things don't exactly go correctly, which it will a lot early in, in, you know, these first, at least first two seasons um, with the lions. And I think that both of those guys too can really grow like with an offense. Whereas Mac Jones is almost just like a plug and play to me. I don't know. I mean, and maybe that's just a misevaluation, but that's kind of where, where that stuff comes from. And like with golf already in place, like, you know, it's like how much more does Mac Jones really give you? Um, so I, I don't know. It's, it's I agree. I that's agree kind of where that. I guess I, I come that. from with that point. And, and maybe I am wrong in the sense where it's just like, I just think like if you, if you don't draft one, if it's on the board, you're just kind of like putting off basically the biggest reason, you know, obviously there's McVeigh's and Shanahan's, who like can kind of do whatever with their system, but like the Lions aren't like I don't believe in Anthony Lynn like that, and it's like they're just to a certain extent. I mean, you saw with Brady and Mahomes, like if you don't have the franchise quarterback, then your chances of winning a Super Bowl, which is the end goal, is just so much lower. And every year that you don't take a swing at it is just another year that you're putting off basically the biggest determinant in whether you will have a successful franchise, you know, into the future. Yeah. No, I mean, I agree. I agree with you. I'm literally just pushing back because I don't think, I guess my, my point is that I don't think that um, I'm going to be like utterly, I don't know, like I'm not even, Clap, I'm not as, as seasoned of a Lions fan as you are, but but I don't, I don't know if, if I'm going to be like utterly flattened 
if if Lance or Fields is available and they draft someone else, I I, I I'll be I'll be disappointed. I w- I will want a quarterback. Absolutely, I will want one of those guys. But if it doesn't happen and they draft a Jamar Chase or a Devonta Smith, you know, we'll see. I mean, I just like don't know what like. That pick just to me, I mean, and, and, and maybe it's because I, I'm not, like, looking far enough into the future, but it's just, like, you don't know what the future will look like for quarterbacks, right? Whereas it's, like, I think that there will be, you know, there's going to be Jamar Chases and great receivers every, you know, every year. They're going to come along, whereas, like, the chance to get a supremely gifted and talented quarterback and the opportunity to draft one without having to give up freaking anything – like, the Lions would be in an amazing position if they bring in Fields or bring in Lance and they are good as rookies. You're looking at two seasons where you got two first-round picks, you know who your quarterback is, and this thing can actually, like, really take off way quicker than anyone imagined. Whereas, like, if you take a quarterback and, like, they bust, I think you can still recover. Whereas, like, if you start, like, building your team, kind of like the Panthers have done, and they're just sitting there at eight, not really knowing what's going to happen. You just kind of run the risk of building a good team, but never really having that thing that can put you over the top. And if you can just get that first, I think that just sets you up for success way more than saying, oh, let's just build the team and we'll figure out the quarterback later. Yeah, totally I agree, agree with that. But the Panthers don't have another first round pick this year. And if they did, they probably would move up and get a quarterback. And the Lions do have that next year. And the Lions are not going to be good. Like, the Lions are going to have a top 10 pick next year and then another first-round pick. And if they want to get a quarterback, they're going to be able to get a quarterback. And there are going to be – you say there's going to be Jamar Chase. Next, there's going to be other good quarterbacks next year too. Like, th- there's going to be good I know, so then take another one next year, like, is my point. Like, just keep keep taking cuts. Get up to the batter's box and swing swing away. Like <laughs> – Swing away, like I'm. I'm. You don't. I don't want to be a team like the freaking Giants, who just like sticks with a with a golf or sticks with a Daniel Jones, and is just like, oh, we're making these free agent signings, and our defense is looking pretty good, but we just have a freaking Ford Taurus at quarterback. Like you know, so I don't know. It's it's it is you know, it's it's an interesting conversation because if if the, if the Mac Jones thing sticks, like I would be shocked if one of Fields or Lance isn't there because. I think the pick at four will either be for Atlanta for a quarterback or for another team that trades a lot to get up. I'd be kind of surprised if since he moved out because I think they're just going to take Sewell and, and, and call it a day. And then the I think the Dolphins are stuck at six because I don't really think you would just move back after moving up. They clearly have somebody you know kind of on their mind that they want to take um, at that position. And then you feel the Lions are sitting there and one of them's there. So. Yeah, I think it would be just like, and I think it's the same with the Falcons too. Like, this is, I think it would be a colossal mistake for either of those teams to to pass up on a quarterback. I think the Falcons is maybe a little bit different because they could be getting a godfather offer and they don't have the same type of, of future draft capital that the, the Lions have. But still, like, you don't want to be a team in purgatory like Klepp. I think the Giants are a great example. And something that I brought up a couple years ago, like, I mean, not a couple years ago, a couple weeks ago, uh, Lee, I completely agree with you. Like, I think we all think the Lions are going to suck last year, next year. But God forbid, they're like they have the eleventh pick in the draft next year, and they win five or six games. And 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 Goff is—they're just mediocre enough to not be awful. 
and like the Bears are like the Bears are worse with Andy Dalton and like the defense plays hard for Campbell and they they win some games they shouldn't win a it, lot like the Giants. Let, let me put in year. another like just another thing too like Lee you know we 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 watched the the Brad Holmes and the Dan Campbell press conference and Brad Holmes kind of talked about the decision that led to just letting Kenny Galladay go. Um, and, and one of the things he referenced was the depth of this wide receiver class. And I don't necessarily that mean think that means you take one at seven. Like, well, you know, at, at what point is like, you know, Lee, say you could get like, you know, I mean, obviously I'm a big Deami Brown guy, but it's like at what point would just be like taking Jalen Waddle at seven and then like taking another position player with your 41st overall pick like at what point are you getting you know more value than if you just took a quarterback at seven and then take a Deami Brown at forty one? I mean, I disagree that there's depth in this receiver class. I don't think there's depth, so I I have trouble really like answering that. I guess. I mean, I would take a quarterback. I don't. I've kind yeah. of positioned myself in this way where I guess I'm playing devil's advocate. I just think that if you don't take a quarterback, you're not the Giants. You're not the Panthers. You're the Lions, and you're in a rebuild, and you don't have to take a quarterback just because one's there at seven. And if you don't have a top ten pick next year, you still have first round picks, two first round picks, and you still. It's not like I don't think the sky is falling if you don't take a quarterback. I want to be clear. Like I'm, I, I think it would be the smartest decision to make, and I think you've rose, rose a lot of really good points that I agree with. But I'm just saying, like, the hypothetical of them having the ninth pick next year and having. A, a, a star receiver who they drafted this year and having however much depth they got from this year's draft and being in a position where there are three or four quarterbacks like there are this year that are top 10 prospects and you have two first round picks and you're in a position to plug and play a rookie quarterback in with an already building roster. Like obviously I'd rather have the quarterback this year, but I don't think that that alternative means that you're the giants or means that you're like the, the, the Panthers, you know, I think that there's. I think that there are ro- there are other roads to success, I guess, so to speak, that don't necessarily begin with taking a quarterback with a seventh pick. I really think that that Lancer Fields is going to be there at seven. I really do. I do too. I mean, I, I I guess Cincinnati could trade back. Like I guess, but then here's the thing: like if Cincy trades back, like I'm still doing backflips because I think Sewell will be there. Yeah. Right, and it's like I think there's no way since he trades away from Sewell to. I I, agree. I just don't think that would be a good move for them, or I don't know what they would really be getting out of that. Um, but yeah, I mean, Cincy and Miami to me are solidified. I think Atlanta's a wild card. Yeah, but but like we were saying, I mean, and I feel like I should maybe do a better job of being like, oh, Fields or Lance, like I don't really care, like. I prefer Lance, right? But I, I think that there's yeah. a lot of strong things to, to Fields' game um, to, to where just, like, either of those guys, like, if they're there, I feel like you should just snag them. Yeah, I agree. I want Lance, but if Fields is the constellation, then that's not... I think bad. Fields is being way undervalued. Like, it's just... Yeah, maybe that's something we can talk about. Just, like, I the whole Fields conversation right now is just, like, bewildering to me. I just don't understand how there's a chance that this guy is going to drop out of, like, the top ten. Or, like, at least that's, like, where the consensus... I know he probably won't because of, like, uh, the demand for quarterbacks. But I just am kind of 
shocked and bewildered by, you know, where it was where I was kind of being a contrarian talking about Zach Wilson in November or whatever it was. And it was like you had Lawrence and Fields and now Fields has just, you know, and, and I think, Clep, you make a you you've brought up kind of just comparing him to Deshaun Watson and like what we saw where teams were really overthinking it with Trubisky versus Watson in that whole 2017 class like. I think a lot of uh, prognosticators and, and pundits could be could be guilty of the same thing. Um, I mean, now, this is crazy because so. I think Lance and Fields are just like pretty clearly more attractive prospects than Wilson or Jones. Like, and it's just like not at all how the order is going to go. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, this is the this opens up a can of worms because it's like I don't understand how Zach Wilson's going to be the number two pick in the draft. That makes no sense to me. It makes no sense to me. I don't understand it. So tools, 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 tools and projections. He's like Bob the freaking builder. Tools and projections like are the Bob reasons the he's going to be the number two pick because the other quarterbacks don't have the same tools and projections. Well, they 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 have tool. There are both, especially Lance and Fields. Like I think they all have incredibly high ceilings and have the tools and are very projectable players. But Zach Wilson's armed like Justin Fields, especially because I've seen more of it, can do some of the same things. But Justin, I mean, uh, Zach Wilson's arm talent, I just think is ridiculous. What does that like, mean? He does he in terms of arm like talent. like you you. The whole, like, that whole, the Sam Darnold throw, like, comparing the, the Zach Wilson to Sam Darnold throw, like, I know Zach Wilson's in shorts, but that those aren't the same throws. They're, like, not the same thing. Like, being able to go to your left, throw the ball across your body with the velocity, and throw a 40-yard a pass, a deep ball, that is perfectly, goes perfectly over the receiver's shoulder, like, you just, that's dumb. You just aren't supposed to be able to do that. Hey, hey, listen, just good luck doing that uh, at, at the Ralph in Buffalo that, in December. That throw, that throw should factor into your analysis under 1% of your analysis. Well, I'm just, I'm just you're going, using it I'm as like an arguing something. point for him being the number two pick in the draft because he has arm talent. No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying his arm talent, he does stuff that none of the other quarterbacks in this draft can do, including Trevor Lawrence. Like, that doesn't mean he's a better prospect than Trevor Lawrence, but it does, it does go to show why he's getting the hype that he is. I don't know what he does that they don't do. I need someone to show me. Because that throw is the only example because no one did that on their pro day. Well, there's, I need to see There's more. a gazillion throws on his tape. I watch every Coastal. single game he's, the man has ever played. But you don't value you don't value those skills, obviously. What do you mean Otherwise, I don't like, value those like, skills? I'm, because, I, because I'm looking for throws that he made that no one else in the class can make. I didn't see one of the those. The throw, I believe it's against Coastal Carolina. It could have been against UTSA or something where he's rolling out to the right. It's... It's the it's the Mahomes stuff that gets you surprised, like gets you jacked up where he's rolling out to the right, because throws a, a deep comeback that's like a thirty yard comeback, getting tackled and like it's just throws that you're not supposed to do that most quarterbacks don't have on their tape and whether that's a result of him playing inferior competition, which I think you know is at least worth a point of context, the fact that he's doing it and you can look at the tape and see him making these throws that are ridiculous and are that are going to translate to the NFL, I believe, that makes that shows you why he's going to be the number 2 pick. That doesn't I, that like, shows I think. you. I guess it shows you enough of why he's going to be I don't see why that makes him the number 2 pick because I see every, everyone has different tape obviously and there's different strengths than weaknesses, but I don't think that Zach Wilson's tape makes it clear that he can make throws that no one else in the draft can make and that honestly I watched Zach Wilson all of his games, and then I watched Fields right after him. 
And they're really similar players, in my opinion. Fields is just bigger, stronger, more athletic, and played against better competition. That honestly is the difference to me. Is he I, Fields is just better because he's physically bigger, he's stronger, he played against better con- competition, and he had a more consistent career than Zach Wilson did. And so what? He didn't throw the ball across his but, body enough. Okay, for- but if if I may, you have Trey Lance as your number two quarterback. Trey Lance played the worst competition of all of them, has the least amount of throws on his tape. What was the most amount of throws Trey Lance Tra- made in a game? Like 20 Trey throws? Lance has the best mechanics out of any quarterback in the draft. That's why he's the number two quarterback on my list. And he's the best athlete, and he's physically the biggest. And he has the most potential. Yeah. He pl- him playing one season to me, honestly, and against the competition he did, Honestly, doesn't even matter that much because he was a redshirt freshman and he was arguably the most dominant player in FCS history. He had one season and he was arguably the most, he won the Heisman, the Walter Payton Award, the Heisman for FCS. Yes. And he was clearly the most dominant player as an 18 and a half, 19 year old. Now, the fact that he didn't play uh, more games is a shame. It sucks. I mean, it would have either been more, to me, if you look at it from like a mathematical, scientific aspect, to me it would have been more of the same. It would have been him dominating because he's a dominant player at that level. I don't know why he would have been worse in any way. Maybe he wouldn't have had the exact same season statistically or he would have had a little bit of a drop-off, but I think it would have been kind of more of the same because I think I know what I'm getting from Trey Lance. And I told you, mechanics-wise, from the way he executes a play action to the way he hands a ball off and carries out a fake – to his physical stature and frame, and to how, to how he throws the ball, that's why he's the number two quarterback on my list because I see that guy and I say, within the first five minutes of watching him, that's an NFL quarterback to me. Like, right off the bat. Totally. I don't see that with with Wilson. I see it more with Fields than I do with Wilson. I see it more with Mac Jones and Kellen Mond than I do with Wilson. That's an NFL quarterback to me. So that's why... Sure, Zach Wilson can make these off-platform. He has some incredible whippy throws that he makes that are great. I think that there are more NFL quarterbacks than you think that can make those throws, especially in a I don't especially agree with in that. a pro, I don't especially agree with in that. a pro day setting. But it's not it's not only the pro day. The pro like my fault for bringing up the pro day, but I was just obviously like the one throw that he made that is on SportsCenter and everyone is talking about that throw. But when you turn on his tape, he's making. Those type of throws, maybe not that impressive, but throws that are of the same, like impossible throws, for lack of a better word. Throws where he's rolling out to the right and throws a dart over the middle to his his big old tight end. Um, and obviously, yeah, he he, there, he doesn't get a lot of pressure on him. His his uh, Brady Christensen, that whole offensive line, like there's a lot of con- there's a lot of contextualizing but even you to do with impossible like, throws. Is like. It's just not – I don't think that's a very accurate categorization of what's happening when you're watching Zach Wilson play football. And I think that you need to – I think that you need to narrow in the language you use when you're talking about a player like Zach Wilson because you you, you swear that you're not comparing him I mean, to Patrick Mahomes. If, if I could jump in here too, word, like the, the thing too is like – I don't know. Like how much I guess Tommy does like those like wow throws on tape that he makes like – how often does that necessarily like come into like play like in an NFL game? Number one, I don't really, I don't think he's the athlete that Justin Fields is. So he's is he going to be able to get into a position to make those throws? Is is number one, yeah. and then number two is just like, obviously, like that stuff is that like that stuff to me is like icing on the cake. Like if you could make those throws, then like that's freaking awesome. But it's just like, can this dude actually like execute an NFL offense? Can he make throws into NFL windows? 
Like, can he stand in the pocket and deliver while he's got a guy bearing down on him? Can he identify coverages and pressures? Like, that stuff is like, that's like the, the foundation. And then it's like, oh, yes. well, if he can make all these fantastic throws, then sure, that makes him the number two overall pick. But it's like it's like you built a mansion that's on like a beach on, on the Florida Keys that's gonna get washed away in a hurricane. It's like it's like yeah, I don't think completely. that it's like it's like you didn't I build think the stilts. those boxes. You didn't build the foundation. Yeah, I no, I agree with you, which is why he's not Jordan Love. Where like Jordan Love last year had some of those throws where like he was getting you know he was getting a lot of those Mahomes uh, the Mahomes comparisons last year, and I thought that was ridiculous. And I think Wilson Wilson does check a lot of those boxes. Him operating with pressure in his face, like that is something that I think is going to be very interesting to see. And I also think the way that the NFL is trending now, they are valuing those, what like what can you do when the play breaks down? And I think he's the same level athlete that Patrick Mahomes is. Like Patrick Mahomes isn't an over, like Justin Fields and Trey Lance are much better athletes than Patrick Mahomes are. Patrick Mahomes is. And obviously Mahomes like, so much of like what Mahomes is able to do, like scrambling and, and cr- like running for nine yards or eight yards on third and eight, which we saw him do all throughout this, you know, his whole career in the playoffs and everything like that, has to do with his surroundings and the fact that Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey are getting so much attention, and that just almost is like what makes him so hard to defend is because oh he can do all of this insane stuff in terms of art- arm talent and off platform throws and all of that, all of those things. But even if you are to take away his arm. He still is a plus athlete, and that's how I view. Yeah, but it's like Wilson. with Mahomes. It's like you watch the Bills game where he's like kind of hurt. He just plays within the system, and they destroy the Bills, right? He I just wasn't, don't he understand. Wasn't doing like, all why are stuff, we talking so like, about Mahomes? Yeah. Why are we know. talking about Patrick Mahomes Be- right now? Because because we're talking about projections, and it's that type of projection. And we saw how what Mahomes has done to the NFL for but the past not, two years that gets you makes, excited about Zach makes Wilson. It- like what? Ma- there are going to be Patrick Mahomes comparisons every draft until the dude retires. And after he went, there was yes. Drew Locke was Patrick yes. Mahomes. Then it was Jordan Love. Now it's Zach Wilson. Like there's always yeah. going to be Mahomes. I don't understand where, how we skipped all the steps to get to now just because Daniel Jeremiah or Chris Sims made a comparison to Patrick Mahomes. Like Patrick Mahomes is a completely different player from Zach Wilson. They're completely yeah, different I, players. I agree with that. I agree with that. All that I'm saying is, like, of course there's going to continue to be these comparisons, but I think even you would agree that Zach Wilson is a better prospect than Drew Locke and Jordan Love. And, like, there's a lot more there there than there was with the Mahomes comparisons. Yeah, but Drew Locke and, and, and Jordan Love didn't go too. Yeah, I know they didn't go too. But, like, for a good reason. Like, Zach Wilson, this isn't just... This isn't just, like, a hype... I mean, it is a hype train to a certain extent, but there is, like, a lot more there there. Like the NFL, these NFL teams, like the Jets aren't getting duped, I think, to a certain extent. Maybe you guys believe that, but I think, I'm not saying Zach Wilson is going to come to the NFL and light the league on fire. I think that Justin Fields has a higher floor than him. But like you said, Klepp, when you're talking about quarterbacks and missing on quarterbacks and what the the ideal situation for Zach Wilson and his ceiling, like, I think that's what is making him the number two overall pick. Yeah, I just, I mean, I understand, you know, I like respect your opinion, but I just don't, I don't under, there, I, I think there are probably like six or seven quarterbacks I could compare Zach Wilson to before I brought, thought, brought up Patrick Mahomes. I think like that's just because the guy makes wow throws, which he ultimately absolutely does. He makes torque throws that are nuts. Like I say, I like to use whippy. He's, he, he has the whippiest arm out of any quarterback, which means he's got a super quick release and he fits tight windows that are extremely impressive. Like he can do that, and that's. But how is that not that's valuable? That's great, and it's valuable. But Tommy, there are there are 
12 to 15 other boxes to check on any quarterback that we can talk about where he doesn't really meet even the average to me. He doesn't, not only does he not surpass, he's not, he's below or average in other categories where, he, where parts of his game are extremely sloppy. And people overlook that because of what he can do improvisationally. And I feel bad for the kid that he's going to the Jets because it's like, I guess I believe in Salah and it's great that they have Mekhi Becton there. That's like awesome to start. But I just feel like, man, like, that team isn't developed enough to bring – there's going to be so much pressure on him to be this superstar that everyone's saying he is. And yes, I, I'm afraid to see what's going to happen if, that, if, those, if, those, if those needs aren't met you know, within the first year and a half. Because it's going to be – even if I thought he, the kid was good, like it's going to be really difficult to compete at a high level on that division. And – with the way I see it now, just based on my analysis of him, I just think that that's – I think the Jets are getting duped. I do. I disagree with you. I think they are getting duped. And I think they're, this is the wrong decision. Like, I don't know how you can disagree with the Jets' decision and, and not think that they're kind of getting duped to a certain extent. But that's – I think they're falling in love with his upside. and but I, but I also think that, like, the worst-case scenario for Zach Wilson, I obviously don't think it's as dire as you and, like – He's more accurate than Trey Lance. Like, I don't – you are you're a quarterback guy. I don't know. Like, I'm sure that Zach Wilson's feet are all over the place sometimes because he can – because he has such – he's so gifted in terms of arm talent and as a passer. Like, I, I'm sure that it's all it's all over the place. But I do know that in terms of being an NFL – like, in terms of an, who would I want running my offense right now from day one, it would be Zach Wilson over Trey Lance. I wouldn't be surprised if Trey Lance grew into that. But in terms of who's more ready – Right now, I would edge Wilson over Lance, and I think, and I think, and Wilson just has so much more on tape than Lance too. So maybe it's like, you know, you're you're reading more into like Lance's 12 or 13 games or whatever it was, and you know his game against Central Arkansas or whatever, where he was a little bit more all over the place and went 15 for 30 or whatever it was, and and, and you know, you know, didn't really. And I and again, I'm not really putting too much weight into that because. He, it's it was stupid. It was a stupid thing to begin with. Oh, oh, you're gonna play one game as like a showcase for NFL scouts, and like I can't even imagine like the pressure that's like on him to try and like show out and you know do all that stuff. And I think that showed up when you turn on that Central Arkansas game. But I do think that at least the boxes that Klepp men- mentioned earlier, though I check those all those all check with Zach Wilson for me. I do think there's a legitimate thing with him with in terms of pressure and operating from a clean pocket, like he just the, the best edge rusher or the best pass rush he faced was Houston, you know, and, and what's the kid Peyton Turner or whatever his name is from Houston, that edge rusher. That's like the only legitimate dude he faced this year um, in terms of like a defensive lineman and, and dealing with that stuff. We haven't really seen him be un- that uncomfortable in the pocket. Um, and I also think something that I know you recognize Lee is like, he also does just like really dumb things sometimes, time to time, time, like like Kyler did against the Lions. Where like you're just being way too cocky right now, and I understand it works like in the MAC, but that not that necessarily isn't going to translate to the NFL. But that's something that you can like coach out. Like I'm, I think Zach Wilson is going to be deserves to be the second pick because of the ceiling and the projection that he will grow into. If he stays like he is right now, then he will not succeed in the NFL long term but that's kind of the case with all of these quarterbacks really with the exception of maybe trevor lawrence and mac jones who just has like this incredibly high floor um i have a feeling that this zach wilson conversation will come up uh, a couple more times if you boys are ready to move on to my fun little segment 
we can we can go there. Let's do it. Um, so it kind of just started with you know when just thinking about all this Mac Jones at, at three when some of this stuff kind of become became a little more solidified. And I mean, again, it's a month away. Like I uh, think about what the conversations we were having last week have like now completely shifted just because of this news. Like still, you know, a lot can happen. You know, who knows? 49ers may not take Mac Jones, right? That might not happen. But we're gonna let's operate from from the uh, from the framework that. Lawrence goes one, Wilson goes two, Mac Jones goes three. Um, and I'm going to – I just think that with this Mac Jones at three news, I don't know if maybe the, the whole draft discussion right now isn't taking into account kind of the wow picks that might happen. So I just kind of wanted to throw out some some scenarios I had in my head where some teams who you know I don't really see getting slotted certain players at their picks might end up taking. And I just wanted to get your, your shock reaction one through ten. Uh, and then maybe a little more as to what you thought of the pick. So we're going to start the draft at number four, and I'm have the I'm going to have the Falcons trade out of the number four pick, and they're going down to 14. And the Vikings are going to give the, pretty much the same package that the Niners gave uh, the Dolphins, and they're going to jump up to four. Uh, and, and let's just say they take Justin Fields. Love it. Yeah, I would. I would probably shock, like shock, that. shock reaction, boys. One through ten. I, oh, shock reaction! You're, you're sitting like, there drafting. You're watching it come through. You're watching it come through. I think six and a half. I think. Yeah, I, I think I'd be like, "Wow, this is a good move for the Vikings." Like, I didn't expect this, but this is a uh, this is a good move for the Vikings. And he's not going to be in a situation where he has to start over Kirk Cousins right away. And they have they have really good, you know, Justin Jefferson, Thielen. Dalvin Cook, like I think it's a nice scenario for a rookie quarterback to come into. I would hate that move from Minnesota, honestly. Now that I think about it, because this is like kind of their window. Dalvin's not getting any younger. Thielen's not getting any any younger. I know Jefferson's a stud, but and I, it's like if you're not happy with Kirk, man, you should have settled that by now. I feel like. So I feel like they would be a little late to the party on that, but but. I, Lee, I agree with you, but it's kind of this goes back to Klepp's original conversation with the Lions, like the fact that they could recognize that and make a move on Justin Fields instead of like taking Keaton Slovis next year or doing the same. Like I, you know, I I would like that. I would like that. I would think that'd be a heady move. I'd say six and, and a half on I the would... shock factor because part of me feels like Minnesota's not happy with Cousins, so I wouldn't be necessarily like. I was kind of building this off of like you know they were thinking about trading him to to San yeah. Francisco. Yeah. So, right. yeah, if, if, if six and a half, you think that's a fair rating? I think that's fair. I mean, I'd yeah. be like pretty shocked. I might be like a. I thought I was. I was. I'm going for eight for eight through tens. You go. <laughs> I'm going for eight through tens. So, I don't know. You just see like Chicago trading up, Washington trading up. Like you'll see discussions around that. I just don't think you see. You see New England trading up. I just haven't really seen that from from people projecting that from Minnesota. So, so I want to throw yeah. throw another team in the mix there. Um, we're going to go right now down to five with the Bengals. Sewell's on the board, but they pass and take Jamar Chase. I would not be that shocked, to be honest, because I think this this I think this is a like not likely scenario, but I think it's like a 50-50 thing. Maybe 60-40. I will say that, yeah, I, my shock value would be at like three because I think yeah. the Bengals are bound, first of all, the Bengals are a bad organization, so making a decision that I would objectively disagree with isn't necessarily something that would shock me. And then you got the whole Jamar Chase Burrow relationship, where yeah, they were they were buddies in college, and he was his number one receiver and all that. So 
fine, you reunite the, those two guys, and now you got something special at receiver with Higgins, Chase, and uh, and Boyd. Um, and then I guess there's that the factor of the the offensive line having you know there are like seven or eight tackles that are going to be pretty serviceable, and, and their names probably aren't going to get called until picks through. 20, 22 through you know 35, and the Bengals' second-round pick is right in that range. So if they think they can take that risk and get the top-end receiver and go for the second-level tackle, then uh, more power to them. But uh, I think they should stick and take Sewell. But, yeah, I, w- I wouldn't be necessarily super shocked, I guess, if Jamar Chase is the pick here. That's fair. Um, we'll go to the Cowboys. They take a corner, but it's J.C. Horn. Mm. I don't know how shocked I would be. I would I would disagree with it, but I wouldn't. I don't think you know. Like I would take Sertain because I think he's safer. But I think J.C. Horn is going to be a really good player in the NFL. I just think Sertain's more refined and is going to make more of an impact from day one and has a better chance of being being a Pro Bowl player. Um, yeah, I wouldn't be shocked. I, would, I, mean, I wouldn't be shocked. I mean, I'd be a, I'd give it a solid five out of ten shock rate. I'd go like I'd four. Solid five out of ten. That J.C. Horn, I mean, more of it is like J.C. Horn goes top ten. Like, yeah. is that not? I don't know. That would be pretty shocking to me. He's he is the consensus number two corner, is he not? Uh, with Farley's injury, I, mean, I guess stuff, now with yeah. Farley, yeah. So now he's consensus number two. So it would be a little bit of an upset the number two corner going before the number one. I think a corner probably gets drafted top ten. So if it's him, you know, four. All right, for, for the Giants, we're going to go right down to 11 now. We're going to have a little run on the NFC East here. Um, the Giants, Devonta Smith has fallen out of the top 10. Chase and Waddle went uh, ahead of him, and the Giants, even after signing Kenny Galladay, they bring in Devonta Smith. Great move. Yeah, I think that'd be an awesome move. I would be shocked. My shock factor would be like probably like five. Because well, it depends. Like, what the? Uh, are my shock that Dave Gettleman made this move, or am I shocked? Both. That, it's everything. Like, it's this, everything. Devonta both. Smith all goes to the Giants. You know, all of it. All of it. I'd be shocked. I would I'd be, be pretty shocked because, uh, I think that Smith goes before eleven, and even if he doesn't, I think the Giants are too stupid to pick. Uh, uh, Smith at 11, even though that I think, I like Tommy said, I would completely agree with the pick. Not only because, even if it was Waddle or Chase, I'd take him. Because, not only because you're getting a difference maker at receiver who's I think is a star, is like a star, but you're taking that player away from Philly, who's drafting directly after you, and who needs a receiver desperately. So, totally, that's a good point. You know, if you pass up on Devonta Smith, all of a sudden Philly takes him, and he's, he's you know, your offense, or your defensive coordinator's worst nightmare for the next decade. Well, and think about Galladay, Smith, Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton, Saquon Barkley, Evan yeah. Ingram. Like that's that's giving Daniel not, Jones. I don't think saying, Darius hey. Slayton is necessarily anything to write home about. I think he's he's comfortable in that wide receiver three spot, but I don't think it's like, oh, we're good at receiver now because we signed Galladay. If you're the Giants, like I still think there's some tweaking that probably could further help Daniel Jones' progression. That was good. I, okay, I got some good discussion out of that one. That was nice. What was, what, did, you, did you give me a number? Did you guys give me a number? I said five. I said five. I kind of started it off with the, the Minnesota trade. I went low. I went with six and a half. So now I'm <laughs> I'm finding myself. I'm going to switch my grade to seven and a half on the Minnesota uh-huh. surprise chart because that would be pretty shocking. Yeah, me too. We would all give it a resounding I'd wow. I'd be like, oh my gosh, think, wow. 
That would yeah. be my real life. Especially as a Lions fan, you know, and I think, yeah. North movement. Well, and I think I would assume they'd be coming Lance, up for Lance, too. Like, they would... You can interchange Fields or Lance, the, you know, yeah. with that. With, well, no, but yeah, yeah, yeah. But even and if they were to get, you know, Fields, I'd be like, Cousins has got to be gone. Like, the Cousins, they got to be trading Cousins. It would be... It'd make for some good conversation. All right, we're at 12 with the Eagles. Eagles have made a calculated risk by moving from 6 to 12, despite needing to add some weapons around Jalen Hurts, but disaster has struck. Pitts, Waddle, Chase, and Smith, the consensus top four, we'll say pass catchers, uh, are all off the board at 12. They panic and take Rashad Bateman at 12. Mm. I'm going to go at seven on the shock factor. I'm going to go, I'd be like, whoa. I would be like, okay. So then they're basically saying... He's right in that conversation. Maybe he's not in that conversation, but he's right there. He's right there on the on the on the brim of that conversation. I'd be pretty shocked if they forced that. Also considering Tommy, I'll let you go in just a second. There's a lot of other holes on the Philadelphia Eagles roster. And you, I know Rager is not great. You did just draft Rager in the first round last year, and you have other holes that you probably could address. But I mean Man, this would just be a great example of organizational, uh, not hubris, but just a distraught organization. You don't sign a receiver. You kind of say, hey, we're going to get a receiver in the draft. And then all of a sudden, this move from 6 to 12 has struck doom on you. Yeah, I um, I think if, if, if my understanding of the board is correct, I would assume that I would think they would pick Sertain. I would think like Sertain would be getting him with Darius Slay. Darius Slay's yeah. I mean, I, bit, I didn't you know? necessarily mean to to make this into one whole you know crazy crazy mock yeah, draft, but, but I was just kind of totally, saying totally. you know, they're they were pretty set the on shot. taking it, a pass catcher. The the consensus top ones yeah. off the board, and they're just kind of sitting there at twelve and go, oh god, and take Bateman. I I would be shocked, but I I would probably be like a five to me because I think Rashad Bateman's a stud. Like, I think in a lot of other drafts, Rashad Bateman would be justified at a number 12 pick. And I think if you look, I mean, he had a little bit rough of a 2020 with the, he opted out, then opted back in, and then opted out again. But when you look at his it's a terrible 2019, look. yeah, it's a terrible look. But when you look at his 2019 awesome. tape, and even like the Michigan game this year in 2020, he's a stud, man. He's an absolute stud. He's Allen Robinson-like with he those releases in the No doubt running. about it, the and, best and receiver think, in the Big Ten last year. No yeah. doubt about and it. And you know, I love I love Tyler Johnson too, man. I love make me some Tyler Johnson and him in the slot and Bateman on Tyler the Tyler Johnson was a great dropped that pass against uh, Iowa, cost me some money. Three, three. Yeah, and then he and then he made that catch against Green Bay though, and then he came back and he got that uh, the OPV DPI. He drew out that DPI, but I think he would be a great pair with Rager. Like I think you can make Rager more of just your primary deep threat, um, and just have Bateman be your overall what about number JJ one. Arthega I think on Whiteside. <laughs> I think it's time to, to hop off the uh, yeah, Wi Fi uh, hype train. I, I really was had a lot of high hopes for him, but I think Bateman would be a lock for, for number one and, and would be a great fantasy scenario for him. I think he'd be getting peppered with uh, with targets mm. in Philly. Um, all right, uh, this is this was my last one. Uh, Najee Harris goes fifteen to the Patriots. Oh baby! Oh ten, ten, ten. I'm shock. going five. This is something I've kind of seen in a couple mock drafts, and I don't hate it. I don't hate it. You know oh me. I'm gosh, a Najee Lee. guy. I do not hate it. I think the Patriots are 
I think Bill Belichick is not getting any younger. They're attacking their window right now. They're bringing Cam Newton back. They spent all that money in the free agency. I like Damian Harris. I like James White. But you know the Patriots love to have a stable of running backs. And there's not a thread of a doubt in my mind that if you draft Najee Harris, he will immediately come in and be the best player on your offense. So if Najee Harris gets drafted to the Patriots, all of a sudden they've got a great stable of running backs and Cam Newton to boot. And I think you let Bill do Bill things on defense. He's already spent some money on defense. Uh, and I think all of a sudden, hey, you're trying to reach that. Any team that's trying to reach the window right now, I think you can make an argument for drafting Najee Harris in the first round, even in, if it's a 15th pick. 10 out, of, 10 out of 10 shock. It'd be the worst pick of the draft already. It would just be – it would be so bad. It would be so dumb on so many levels. Um, yeah, they just don't need a running back. They – Damian Harris is a really good football player. You don't need to draft a running back. Go take Trey Sermon in round three or round four. They don't the even way, need, they you, don't even you need make another running back. Sick. You make me sick to my stomach. <laughs> Trying to say Trey Please. Sermon. Go, just go get, hey, just go get, throw a Band-Aid on it. Go get Trey Sermon in the fifth round, and, that, and then it'll be the same thing. There's no Band-Aid need to be thrown. They don't need a running back. They don't need a running back, I man. think that they, you can make an argument that they need a running back, and it's not necessarily them drafting for need. It would be them saying, okay, so obviously we're missing out on Waddle and Pitts and, and all these guys. We're missing on all the stud receivers. And who can we draft? Because I think their defense actually looks pretty good. So the way I'm seeing it from this standpoint of them doing this is like, okay, who can we draft? We can bring them in the building. They can play 80% of the snaps on offense and be a productive player for our offense. And that, yeah, I understand and, that it, and that's Najee I, Harris to me. And I think I, I stand by that. I think you draft Najee Harris – Try to name me a better a better football player on the Patriots' offense. I'll wait. I think Najee Harris would be the best player on their offense. Yeah, I know, but it's you know it's a value thing. It's just not it's not about like like you, you make know, the playoffs. That's valuable. So more, if you make the playoffs and like, Najee Harris is your running back, take, that's valuable. Take Jeremiah Wusakamura or take Quiddy Pay. Like take they still could use some youth on defense. Like they still. I just think those guys I mean, don't. I, would be, those guys are less likely to make an immediate impact on the win loss record. Of, of course, your team of course, Lee. But, but but and I think the Patriots how are many trying to wins, win right now. How many wins does Najee Harris give the? Patriots? I think he can give them. Honestly, I think he can give them a couple. I think he can win Rookie of the Year, which I don't know what what that equates to in wins. Yeah. But if he's doing that for your offense, that's a big deal. And Damian Harris can be a supplemental running back for you, like. You can have basically just a stable of running backs that are arguably one of the better running back stables in the league, I think, all of a sudden. Yeah, they, it would be that, no doubt. It would be that, no doubt. It's not a reflection on Najee Harris, the player. It's a reflection on, you know, the value, and it's a reflection on Damian Harris being a fine running back. You don't need an elite running back to be good. You just don't need Najee Harris to win football games. You don't need Saquon Barkley to win football games. As much as I love watching them play and as impressive athletes as they are, you don't need no, them. No, you don't need them, but that doesn't mean that they can't help you win. Saquon games. Barkley rushed for 18 yards in week one, and he's the dude, best running wow. back on, in the world, dude. I don't care that he rushed for 18 yards in week one. That doesn't matter. That doesn't, like, it, okay, one week last matter. year against the Steelers, he rushed for 18 yards. So that means that all running backs are created equal. Like, no, that's not you saying, no, it means oh, that you can just get Trey Sermon in the, in the fourth or fifth round. Like, that... Trey Sermon just gets buried in your depth chart, essentially. Like, he's just worse yeah, than, not, than, than Damian Harris. Yeah, I don't think the Patriots need to draft a running back. Anyway. I think, I think your boy Rex Burkhead is fine, he's man. Cut. I think they've he's got gone. a nice he's stable. A free agent. 
Bring him back, man. Yeah, I'd rather bring, bring back, back Rex Burkhead yeah. for seven hundred K than you're draft a, Najee Harris in the first round. You're a robot. Yeah, I'm just I'm just like a, a radio show struggling for for topics. I just bring back the the RB debate among the Murray yeah, brothers seriously. and just get, get minutes of of great content. Uh, any. Uh, one sec. Actually, I want to pick. Is there any team that it would be dumb for them to draft Najee Harris? What type of question is that? Of course there are. What? what? Yeah. Uh, if 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 the if the Bengals drafted Najee Harris at five, that would just be awesome, dude. He makes their team better. He's probably is he better than Joe Mixon? I think he. Could, I think he stable. could be. I think he could be. Yeah. He, I I don't think he's probably a better prospect than. Joe I think Mixon he's definitely a better out. prospect than Joe Mixon, but I don't think that. That means that he's he's worth the pick anywhere. That's an unfair assessment to make. Cincinnati and New England are in far far different situations. I think if Arizona drafted Najee Harris, it would probably be a good move. I think if New England did, it would probably be a good move. I think if if Pittsburgh did, it would be a good move, like we've talked about. So. Yeah, I mean, I knew you don't think that it would be a good fit either anywhere, but I just like. There has to be a point where the earliest I would draft you know. Najee Harris, I think, would be fifteen with New England. I think that would be the earliest I would take him. I don't think there's a team before that that, that I don't think a I would trade up for him from a team before that, or there's a team before that where I would draft him. Pittsburgh, Arizona, what if you're, I would. What if uh, do you think it would be a bad pick for Atlanta to take him if they're not taking a quarterback? A four. Yeah, or eight, or whatever. Like they trade. Let's just pretend they like they can't take a quarterback at four. Like it's not really about the pick. It's just I guess more what about... I'll say is if they like traded back to nine, let's say, and Denver came up to to get a quarterback, and you got more picks if you're Atlanta. I think that there are other directions you can go, but I don't think it's a bad pick if they were to take Najee Harris with the ninth pick. Like I wouldn't be. I would push back against the the very predictable consensus that would be online saying how stupid they were for drafting. Like I would definitely push back against that. Um, that doesn't mean I would necessarily do it, but I see where I can see why they would do that, and I don't disagree with it necessarily. I mean, well, if Atlanta if Atlanta's trying to compete for an NFC yeah, cha- South Championship next year, like they, you know, that's an instant impact player. He's much better than Edo Smith and Brian. I would Hill, argue so. he can bring more to your offense than anyone in the draft. If you're Atlanta, because you already have Julio and Calvin Ridley, so like, don't forget about Hayden Hurst, man. And Hayden Hurst too, of course. Um, that guys, would be yeah. Did you guys like the segment? Should I bring it back? I like the segment. Yeah. Any uh, any thoughts? Uh, I have one more thing I want to say before we wrap the pot up. But any other any other maybe off the top of your off off the dome? Any maybe shock prospect things here? Anything that you thought of during this quick segment? I have, I have one quick thing I want to say. It's just a shout-out. Shout-out Buddy Johnson, linebacker from Texas A&M. He's probably going to be undrafted. <laughs> I just realized today that he was in the – I have this – sometimes I'm just scrolling through the draft network down in the, in the, in the cellar dwellers, just seeing if I can <laughs> recognize any names. And uh, I watched enough Texas – I watched a lot of Texas A&M this year, and Buddy Johnson was a good linebacker for them. Um, He's not, a, he's not a plus athlete. He's built like a refrigerator. He's a strong kid. He's got cinder blocks for hands. I, he's just a football player, man. He's just a football player. And I will be interested, similar to my guy uh, Chris Orr from Wisconsin or, uh, you know, any of those types of guys that are just grinders that I like watching in college that I'm not saying I would. Tough Borland. I screw Tough Borland. Tough Borland had a lights out game in the big house against Michigan in 2000. Uh, 17 when I was a sophomore and I that was when I discovered who he was and he 
I was infuriated that he was having such a good game. I was like, this man's name is tough. <laughs> so somebody needs, somebody needs to get him off the field. He must have had 15 tackles that game. No, but but no, uh, no, no, no shock prospect uh, meter picks. It's okay. Oh, shock. You know, you know who um, I forgot was in the draft, uh, and uh, Lee, I'd be want, curious to see how you react to this. Who I think is going to be a really nice find on day day three, talking about running backs, is Chris Evans, man, from Michigan. <sighs> I know he kind of fell out of favor. Screw Chris and Michigan, Evans. man, but he's got a complete he's got a complete skill set. Complete skill set. About he's, a he's, got no, he's got a no skill set. There's nowhere you can put him on the field. He's a master of none. He's a master of none. He won't do anything in the NFL. Yeah, but he he, he does a lot of he, he in terms of catching the ball out of the backfield. Ah, he's got some nice meh, speed. Meh. He hardly saw the field last year. He was he, Michigan's running back situation was already bad. Yeah, why did he? The, he was he was he went from these. He, he was a starting running back. He went from being the starting running back to not seeing. Well, yeah, because he cheated on a I, test, I, and then he and then he because he and he got he got. Uh, so he's he's off Clef's board. He's off him and Willie Gay yeah. are, are off are off Clef's board. No, with the, I don't think Willie Gay wasn't Spanish off my test. board. I don't think Michael Parsons <laughs> is off my board. There there are some there are definitely some deep some deep digging running back prospects that we can that we can go over and, and, and commiserate on, but I don't think Chris Evans is one of them, man. I'm not a big fan of his. I will I, I want a shot I have a shock meter thing. So let's hear it. Let's hear it. Okay. Um the Jacksonville Jaguars, obviously they select Trevor Lawrence at one. So now we're at pick 24, or 25, I think it is. 25. 25. 25. They select Rondale Moore. What's the shock factor? Love it. That would be uh, that'd be a solid eight for me. Yes, I got an eight. Just because I, I – it's a shock factor because, number one, I don't I, – I think I, I saw Tommy tweet about Rondale Moore earlier today. I'm just like not really ready to like die on the Rondale Moore hill. Um, I don't I don't know. I just am not. Um, I just think taking him at, at 25 is just like a little high considering the injury stuff. Watch the uh, Nevada game. Uh, he's, he tries to play hero ball a little bit. Two two fumbles in punt return. You know, hey, mm. don't don't mm. want to see that. And then I think you already have Lavisca. Like what are you what are you doing yeah. adding a guy like Rondale Moore when you kind of have a player that fits that you know somewhat fits that mold already and you love yeah Lavisca. but I mean imagine I, having two of them yeah and having I, Urban I, Meyer I was just about to Urban say. Meyer just kind of drawing up ideas for those two guys and already what about I'm just thinking, getting man, him at thirty thirty three you know how about that yeah no that's Clep that's a valid that's that a valid idea. point and I do think him at watching him go and to the Packers are, at twenty nine and never have him play for your team yeah. A little, I think it's a little, uh, it could be a little redundant, but at the same time, I'm kind of with Lee. It's like, who cares, man? Play him at running back, man. He's well, that's what I'm James thinking Robinson, is like, okay, man. I'm not, I'm saying like if Jacksonville drafted him, they obviously have a plan for him. They're not just drafting him because he's Rondale Moore. Like they're, they're like Urban Meyer would have a plan of some sort. And I think that would be really exciting to be like, wow, if he can make this work, that can be, uh, that can be potentially really cool. I think, I just think there's so many other I really things think... that the Jaguars should be doing at, at 25 that does not involve drafting uh, a slot receiver who may not, he, who might just be like a, you know, Tavon Austin or a Percy Harvin, like hero ball type player in the NFL. Yeah. So. Um, I do want to bring up another yeah. thing too. A word on the street, Tommy, is that the Steelers are drafting a running back at 24. Like, like, Good. like it's either going to be, if it's not Najee, it'll be ETN or Javante. So I'm just the messenger. All the more I'm reason. I'm just the messenger boy. I just can't wait to 
rip that under ticket. I can't wait to fade the Steelers so hard this year. It's gonna. I will be, be interested be to glorious. see what the uh, what the number opens at. I, I definitely will be. Yeah. I definitely will be interested to see that. So yeah, I think yeah, I think that would be colossally. Stupid. I was thinking today, boys. This is what I wanted to bring up. I was thinking about our our, our four way mock with Connor Ryan. That'll that'll drop draft week. So I, this is something that I was I was opposed to last year, but hey, I'm evolving as a human. We all are trying to grow. Um, I want to make trades part of it. Wow, that's if, huge. if you guys wow. are open. That's huge. I wanted to I wanted to create some guidelines around it though. Most importantly, is I don't want Connor to get confused. He will. Well, that's that's going to happen conclusion. regardless. <laughs> yeah, Connor. I wanted to be as, con- as little as if as we don't have trades. Connor yeah. will get confused. So if we do have trades, and he he'll still get confused. So it doesn't. We can so we can add them. See here here was my here was my thinking is, is you know we we should have ongoing conversations as to as to how to approach this because the the reasoning that I was thinking it would be hard is like it's hard because like are you going to trade with yourself because you mm. have you have eight teams that we're each in control of like are you going to really trade with yourself you know I don't know maybe we sh- we should outlaw trades. In internal organizational trades, um, or maybe just let it fly. I was thinking at the very least, it should kind of be a situation where, you know, the person is now on the clock. It shouldn't be us yelling at them offering trades. It would be, hey, I'll put this put this pick up for grabs. Does anybody want to want to bite? And yeah, then yeah. and then if you want to put your pick up, go from there. But if you if you have a player in your mind and you just want to roll with it, just just make the pick. Yeah. I think um, I think it's a great idea, but the only it, it just once the quarterbacks go, that we just shouldn't be trading. You know that you know I think there has to be a, a certain cap, and I'm sure we're all going to be. I, I know the last thing you want is you know Lee moving up from 18 to 16 to to take you know Najee Harris or whatever. You know I don't know. I just think we so so seldom do we see like very. Marcus Davenport s trades where you're jumping. Yeah, but here's the thing I was thinking take, about. Like, I feel like in our draft, you know, my my top four quarterbacks will be gone before the Lions pick, and yeah. I could easily see you know someone maybe trying to come up to seven to get Mac Jones, and I'd love the Lions to yeah. drop back to like fifteen or sixteen and then draft like Tevin Jenkins. I guess that yeah. is a trade involving a quarterback, but like. If I was the Lions, yeah. if I'm like in control of the Lions and all the four quarterbacks are gone, I might I'd be trying to, to drop even if I don't even if the team doesn't want to come for a quarterback. I mean, it could be the could be the well, Eagles trying to come up and get you know guarantee a, a receiver. I have two things. I have yeah. two things that I think will help the the guidelines of the conversation. One is you can only trade picks you're using. You can't trade like a future first or like a fifth. Or whatever. Like if we're, we're only going, going two, two, two rounds deep. Then you then you can only trade first and second round picks. No, we should be able to trade future first, I think. I just think that turns it into this, I don't know. It might. I, that I was know. my first thing. And the second thing was the, the trade has to be approved by one outside party, at least. I, I was going to say, Leah, I was going to bring that up for uh, if, like, if I'm controlling the Jets and the Broncos and I want to move up to two. If you're trading with yourself, think- it has to be approved by everybody else. Yeah, yeah, I I agree with that. Or at least two people, because Connor Connor's not gonna like. I feel like Connor would just be like, no, 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 no. I, Good. I, you know, I just don't. Good. Good. <laughs> We're making this thing well, like like I the think... U.S. Uh, like the U.S. government. Let's, Checks and balances. Um, yeah. 
All right, well, we got we got filibusters. I think we just we probably just shouldn't trade, man. We probably shouldn't trade. It should be a true exercise of team need and everything like that, you know. Let's I'll, I'll, I'll fire off the group chat after we after we get off the off the mic and we'll see what Connor has to say. Yeah, we can I mean, I just think, you know, it's something to consider. I like the idea. I at least want to be open to it this year. I don't, I don't want to be, you know. I like the homage, the homage to growth, too, Clep. Yeah. B, BJP is all about growth. You know, a mere three years ago, Clep was saying I couldn't write college football articles, okay? <laughs> this is a dictatorship. <laughs> <laughs> and we're all about oh, growth boy. here. And we're, uh, Clep, Clep is like, uh, he's like a dictator who in his older years is starting to realize the, the Some things the are wrong about what I do. <laughs> yeah. So things but if, are you, wrong, if you're and, any... Uh, fan of this podcast any shape or form please tune in to the uh to the we, we should do like a live stream man that'd be fun yeah Something we could like that. we could figure it get out a little, get a little fan engagement you know there's a lot of fans out Some there fan that want to engage i mean also are we are we going to do a three-way mock too at all or is it just the four-way and then our own mocks i'll say for one i don't if we do a three-way mock well i'll do it but i'm not going to be spearheading it i care about the four-way that's what I'm here for. That's the, that takes home the bacon for me, the four-way. Well, maybe the three-way would be a good thing to do like in a week or two maybe. As a, as a pre That's something Klepp can – I don't know. I'm not a huge fan of doing like that many mock drafts or doing mock drafts that are like too early in the process. Like I feel like we should do it like a week before the draft because that's when you really are getting like the tight information. You know, you're not – there's not a lot that's – I think – Tommy, I think there's something to be said for like doing – trying to do like a, a three – Maybe like a, a, a group, you know, a big brain trust predictive mock. Mm. As to, uh, and, and then, and, you know, maybe the, the week, you know, a week or two before the draft, trying to, to us to get together and do a predictive mock with, with all three of us. And then obviously the week of the draft would be the, the free for all. We're sitting in the chair as we make the decisions. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's fair enough. Instead that's of, it's because I think it would be um, weird if like us three did like a what would we do mock and then we just like kind of threw Connor into the cauldron a week later. Yeah. I think you're going to run into yeah. the same conversations. So I just think yep. I think doing a doing a predict what will happen on draft night mock would be a, a better use of our our, our time and our and our listeners and our listeners gonna, attention span. Fair enough. And are we going to are we going to draft teams or are we just going to go, you know, I think we'll draft teams. You know, like we did we drafted yeah. teams last year. We drafted teams last year, yeah. Let's do it again. We did last year, right? But in 2019, we just won. Um, we just won. Do they even have a, a second round pick? Okay. They do. And every, I think every team has a has a pick, right? Okay. Yes. Yeah. Um. I want the Giants and the Steelers. That's all that matters. Blue Bloods. <laughs> Trade 24 to the Giants for Saquon, baby. Yeah. They wouldn't accept that. Not even Gettleman would accept that. Um, cool. What do you? Uh, if we if we're just continuing to take the the listeners behind the curtain here, I was thinking, um, you know, Lee, you were saying you have some time on your hands. I don't know about you, Tommy, but I'm I'm kind of busy. But I can make something work. Where maybe uh, I was thinking next pod, a little, how about a little, you know, love for the day three guys. Oh, that'd be fun. Yeah, yeah that'd I be think a lot of fun. I think you know I think we did it last year, kind of late into the process. But what if? Uh, what if maybe next pod we brought, you know, don't put a specific number on it. You know, if you don't like a guy, you know, you don't need to throw one in. But try and find anywhere between three to five day three dudes who uh, 
who you like. I'll find ten, man. Find ten of them. Go, this I mean, is find where as many I, this as you is like. where I thrive. I'll set this the minimum. I'll set the minimum at three. Yeah, I think I'm gonna make a big board of like fifty day three guys. Cause I'm I'm into it. I, I I discovered Buddy Johnson today, and I was thinking, man, I'm not doing my due diligence this year. Yeah. On my um, on my deep my deep guys. I know Tommy brought up my boy Donnie Corley, uh, on the last on the receivers podcast, and then there's guys that I've brought up before, like Jamar Jefferson, and you know uh, some other guys like that. So I will uh, I will definitely get that prepared for next pod day three action. You bet. You best believe Trey Sermon's going to be on my day three guys. Trey Sermon, baby. The Zach Moss of 2020. Oh, man. God, that's brutal. You just, stab, you, just stabbed a, you just stabbed a stake through my heart saying that. Trey Sermon had two good games and then got injured at Ohio State. He had two incredible games and then he got injured. He's got some good tape at Oklahoma too, man. Yeah, he's, he's, he's solid. I don't, think he's any, I don't think he's anything more special than any other Oklahoma running back that hasn't like necessarily amounted to that much. Like, I know. That what's his name got injured. Um, the dude number twenty four was on the Bengals. Yeah, yeah. Ryan. Yeah. Uh, I think Sermon is like a little bit better than him, but I don't know. I don't know if he's really a needle mover in the NFL in any way. He reminds me a little bit of Zach Moss. Like he just kind of like does. He does. He's not. He's like a four six guy who. And I was I was really high on Zach Moss last year. I'm not as high on Trey Sermon, but he just kind of has that skill set where. He doesn't really have a lot of weaknesses. He's not an exceptional athlete, but I think from day one he could be a starting running back in the NFL. I don't know if I agree with that, but yeah, we'll see. That's what the day three actions for, I guess. I had another. I was thinking too. Would like to get. Uh, I was going to talk to my friend Carl about coming on, talking about these Cuse DBs. Andre yeah, Cisco. Yeah, Andre Cisco's a nice player. Dude, who's the uh, guy with the? Well, who's Sims, the guy with the name. He's Sims Ify number Malifano one safety. And Trill Williams. Trill. Yep. Trill Williams, bro. He's I want to know about Trill Williams. He's a nice Williams. little player. So I, I, I was thinking we could bring Carl on, talk, talk Syracuse DBs. He also uh, he likes J.C. Horn, likes Reg Newsom. Lee, you'll like to hear this. Not a big Caleb Farley guy. So, yep. Um, wow. And then I was thinking, too, he'd have some insight on, you know, ACC receivers. Mm-hmm. A couple of those guys, Tutu Atwell, Amari Rogers. Um, hey, Clep, you want to talk yep. ACC receivers? Almost every ACC receiver, when they're asked who the toughest is. Brown. Guy, who the toughest competition they went up against all year was that boy Asante Samuel Jr. Yeah, we can. Yeah, we can ask. Him we about can talk it. a little can, Asante can, Samuel yeah, Jr. Yeah, there we go. Um, and then, so that that was one that I had in the pot. Um, I got to, you know, I don't know what, what else. I was trying to think of stuff we did last year, um, too. But yeah, we did the uh, yeah sleepers. Remember, I had Dalton Keene, one of my sleepers. We can yeah. do an episode well, where I finish my big board for quarterbacks. It's only ten. I did ten guys, yeah, and I, on six of them I watched like all their games, and then on four of them I watched like four or five of their games because I wasn't about to watch every game Davis Mills and like Peyton Ramsey played it. Lee, what do you think about what do you think about Davis Mills, man? Yeah, my thing about Davis Mills is that it's like all the all the Kinda tools looks like are there. Looks like a noodle there. man. It looks like a noodle man. To all me. the tools are there or whatever, but like if and I say this at the at the risk of sounding stupid if he's good, but like. If he were to be, if he was going to be good in the NFL, like you would have seen it by now. I feel like, I feel like we're still waiting for him to show the flash of the potential that he's had since he came to Stanford. And I mean, the, the team was in such disarray ever from the minute he he started playing there, even before, and he really didn't do anything to help them, which concerns me a little bit. So yeah, I don't. I think I've got him ranked seven or eight on the big board just because there's potential there, but. 
I think he's eight actually. Um, but but I don't I don't I wouldn't I take a guy like Mond or Ellinger over him in a heartbeat. He's the type of guy where I rank him at a similar. You take Ellinger yeah, over him? Yeah, absolutely. Definitely would. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think Ellinger's role is in the NFL, man? Because he can't Backup. really like process that well. Backup. Yeah. But I think he can be like Colt McCoy, kind of. And I also think he's a, yeah. I think he's a natural leader, and I think his teammates play hard for him, which matters a lot. And he's he's an accurate intermediate passer. He has lapses consistently, but he's an accurate intermediate passer, and he's one of those guys who's just like an animal in the weight room. He's going to be a vet from like day one, I feel like. And he's kind of a guy that you just want to get in the building and let him sit there, and maybe he comes in and wins you a few games. But overall, he's kind of like more of a more of a uh, locker room guy and, and, and a coach on the sideline, maybe. Yeah, but yeah. I need to give our I need to give our sleepers episode a uh, a listen from last year. I might do that on my run because I know I shouted out Alex Highsmith, man, and he's looking like going to be replacing Bud Dupree this upcoming year. Might want to scare me off from taking my Steelers under because we got Alex Highsmith coming hot. That's true. Yeah, I wonder. I know I shouted out my boy Savon Ahmed. That's <laughs> yeah. I think, that's all I remember. I remember who was the kid from? Uh, I think it was Virginia Tech or Virginia Tommy that we liked. Dalton Keene. Yeah. Joe, Joe Reed. He's in. Joe Reed. He's with the Chargers. Yeah. The Chargers have like six yep. receivers that are undrafted, and and you can't tell if any of them are good or not yet. They they all just catch t- like one or two touchdowns. It's really bizarre. If they've got like Tyron Johnson, Jalen Guyton, Joe Reed, it's like one of them pops up every KJ. Day. Come on, what about my well, boy KJ? KJ actually like didn't do anything last year. I was kind of surprised I know. that he wasn't better. Um, I was too. But yeah, nice boys. So uh, why don't we why don't we plan on on ripping uh, ripping that sleeper one midweek, maybe Wednesday. If that's enough time, we can need a little more, a few more time. Sounds good to me. And then uh, maybe we'll yep. DB talk on Friday or something. Okay, I like that. I'll talk to. I'm in the I'm in the midst of securing a job right now, but this is more important. I can take so your I can take your that. spot because I'm. Aside from doing some a little bit of work that I have to get out of the way, which I can definitely do when I'm not, you know, recording this this podcast, I'm I'm ready to hammer out the last few bits of film here and. See if I've got anything interesting to say. I will. I've already said I love Israel Makamuku. I got to get back and watch a little bit more of him because he's six four. I love that. Better than JC? I don't know if he's better than JC. I don't know. I'll have to watch. If you that if you'd yeah. asked me that before the season, I would have said he was. Yeah, beautiful. All right, boys. Well, see you midweek. You stay scheming.